chapter 35 of the book of Genesis. They were told that Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, and we know the story of Rachel and Jacob, right? Love at first sight. Jacob loves Rachel unequivocally. It is, it's a romantic story. It's a frustrating story. It's a painful story. Here's the painful end to the painful story, or at least what would seem to be the painful end. And they traveled out in chapter 35 from Beit El, Jacob and his retinue, after having been spoken to by God, God having said to Jacob, you will be fruitful and multiply. And Rachel was pregnant. And as they approached, they were still at some distance from Ephrat. She had difficulty in childbirth. And it was when she had difficulty that the, uh, the midwife said to her, Have no fear, for you will have another boy. And it was as she, her breath expired as she died. She named him the son Ben Oni, son of Oni. Ve'aviv Karalo Binyamin. And his father, though, called him Ben Yamin, the son of Yamin. And so Rachel, the beloved matriarch, dies, and she is buried on the way, or by the way. And Jacob set up a matzev, a monument over her burial place. I bring us back to chapter 35 because in order to understand or to, to eke out something from one of the, the strangest comments or moments in Jacob's life, we need to understand it in the context in which it arrives. Tomorrow morning we'll read about the final, the final countdown, as it were, the final story of Jacob. Jacob will have arrived in Egypt, as the text tells us. He will live 17 years, mirroring the 17 years, of course, as a reader, the 17 years that Jacob had with Joseph, he will now have 17 more years. As if to tell us his life was on hold, it was paused until now he was reunited with the beloved eldest child of his beloved lost wife, Rachel. He longed for his son. He longed for him. He refused to be comforted. He didn't believe, or maybe he did, but he refused to be comforted. And now 17 more years are granted to him. He will be together with his beloved Joseph. And as Jacob's life ebbs away, he gets sick. The Torah tells us, the Midrash says, pointedly, the first person to get sick. He had time to set his affairs in order, to finish his unfinished business. Jacob has come to the land not only to be with Joseph, but to teach Joseph, to educate Joseph, to give him his final lesson in what it is to be the son of Jacob. 
And so we have this beautiful scene in the Bible, a scene that is, you have to see it to believe it. So let's reenact it. So he's, he's sick, and Joseph hears that he's sick, and the Torah tells us that Joseph approaches him, and Yisrael, the covenantal name of Jacob, he sits up straight in his chair, in his bed. He gets strong. And Jacob says to Joseph, Jacob says to Joseph, I had an appearance of God and he blessed me. Almost exactly the words of the blessing. I will make you mafrecha. I will make you plenty from proof, from fruit, from fruit, from fruit. I will make you fruity. I will make you fruitful. Can everybody hear that word? Mafricha, from the word fruit. Right? Pre, same, same word in English. Fruit. Pre. Fruit. I'm going to make you many. I'm going to make you great. Many peoples and communities will come from you. I will give you this land. He says, and now. He says to him, your children, the ones that you had before I came down, Ephraim and Menashe, they will be to me like, they will replace, they will be as if, like Reuven and Shimon. They will have tribal status. In other words, I will erase your status, Joseph, as one of the tribes and replace you instead with your two children. Everybody get that? Joseph now will be erased. It's amazing that he's going along with this. You're going to be erased and your two children will now become the heirs to your inheritance and instead of there being a tribe of Joseph, there will be now two tribes, Ephraim or Menashe and Ephraim, the two children of Joseph. Okay, stop there. What's going on? What is going on there? One, why? Why is that vital? Well, here's in a nutshell. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow morning. In Genesis, when you give your children away, you get them back. In Genesis, when you, as Abraham, give Isaac up as an offering, you get him back. Jacob, who gave up Joseph and then gave up Benjamin, he gets them back. Jacob essentially says to Joseph, I don't want to lose you. The only way I won't lose you is if you give me, allow me to adopt your children because you are so far off. You've gone so far. You're so outside. I want to bring you back in. I want to reunite you with the family. And now watch what he says. In order to do that, he wants to teach them a lesson. When they come to bless, the Torah goes on, when they come to get their blessing, Joseph has it all figured out. So I need, I need my two children to be here. I wish uh, Bear and Tal would be here right now. The scene unfolds because there's going to be a blessing happening here. It's a beautiful image. So I'm going to be Joseph. Let's use Rabdavid over here. David Barrett, you stand right, sit right there. You're going to be 
Jacob. So I have two children, anybody? My name is Joseph, right? Who's my eldest child? Bear. <laughs> Who's my eldest child if I'm Joseph? Menashe. Menashe. And who is my youngest child? Ephraim. Menashe and Ephraim. And I want you, Joseph, I'm sorry, Jacob, Dad, I want you to bless my children. Which is your strong hand? Your right hand. So you know what? I'm going to put my eldest child, who should be on my right hand if I were blessing him, but because you're going to be blessing him, I'm going to put him in my left. That's going to be my eldest child. So that all you have to do is reach out your right hand and place it on his head. And now I'm going to bring my younger child on my right hand so that your left hand will now bless it. Everybody got that? Choreography? So I put my children, I confuse their order from my perspective so that from your perspective you can bless them easily. Thank you, Jacob. What does Jacob do? As the children come forward, can everybody see Rabbi David? Sikel et yadav. He crosses his hands. He crosses his hands and he blesses them with crossed hands. Meaning he blesses the younger one with a blessing for the older and the older with a blessing for the younger. He confuses them. He undermines primogeniture. The older one will receive the blessing. And then, as Joseph says to him with incredulity, what are you doing, Abba? Don't you know that this is the older and this is the younger? He says, Yadati bini yadati. He says, I know my son, I know. He will also be great, but the younger one will be greater than him. And then he blesses them with the, with the beautiful blessing that we bless our children with on Friday night. And then, in the middle of all of this, Immediately before this, Joseph says, Jacob says, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, I want to bless your children and make them mine because as I was leaving Padanaram, Rachel died by Derech. Rachel died on the way before we came to the place called Ephrata. And I buried her there on the way. Rachel dies, Jacob's life. Jacob's vision, Jacob's hope, Rachel dies on the way. And now at this pivotal moment, as Jacob is about to leave the world, he's going to bless his son, Joseph. He, remind, he is reminded out of nowhere, I need to take your children, Ephraim and Menashe, to be my own. Somehow because out of nowhere, Rachel dies as if he's having a memory, as if it's coming back to him. He can't remember anything in front of him, but he remembers my wife, Rachel, died on me. And then this confusing action where Ephraim is elevated through the crossing of the hands. So it occurs to me, holding all of those things together, and there's so much Torah on it. What touches me the most, though, is the sense that the only thing we know about Ephraim and Menashe, about those two children of Joseph that were born in the land of constriction, are their names. It's the only thing we know about them. We don't know personality. We don't know what they played with, who they were. 
Menashe, the eldest one, is named Menashe because Joseph says, I want to Menashe, I want to forget my father's home. And Ephraim, the second child, is named, for God has made me, God has given me fruitfulness in the land of my oni, in the land of my constriction, of my suffering. Be'eretz oni. Everything in Jacob's life went anything but according to plan. Everything in Jacob's life came about through deception and subterfuge. He had one idea, I was going to marry Rachel. I'll work for her for seven years. What happens? It isn't happening. Jacob had an idea that maybe he would be the one to be blessed, but instead he had to wear the clothing of his brother. Everything in Jacob's life, he probably wished that he would, he would have a chance to be buried and end his life with the beloved of his dreams. But that wasn't the way it went, was it? Jacob's life is a life of a mensch tracht and God laughed. He had plans and God laughed. That was Jacob's life. So Jacob became a man of hands. If you look in the text in the Torah, Jacob makes everything with his hands. He has the voice of Jacob, but he has the hands of his brother Esau, whose name means to make. He has maker's hands, Jacob's hands. And now his hands are going to bless. They're going to bless the two children of Joseph, two children born from alienation and exile, from distance. And Jacob says, I know which one to elevate. I know which one to elevate. I will elevate the son whom you name for fruitfulness in suffering. I will elevate the son who in the midst of adversity and suffering, you still were able to say, that son, that's, that's a blessing. Here I am, dad. We haven't spoken in 20 years. Here I am on New Year's Eve. I'm all by myself. And I have a child named Ephraim. A child named fruitfulness. Not Minashe, forgetfulness for all lang syne. But a child of remembrance, of blessing. That child will be the child I will bless. And as for these hands and all of your wonderful attempts, Joseph, just like me, your dad, all of your attempts to make everything straight and narrow and to make it clean and organized, you want me to have an easy time in blessing your children. I have news for you. Because Jacob could have just reversed the order. He didn't have to confuse the hands. He could have just reversed the order. Why doesn't Jacob just say, listen, I appreciate your, you know, making things easy for me. Why don't you just put the older one on the left side and put the younger one on the right side? It'll be, it's okay. I don't need, it's okay. Trust me. No, no, no. Because I need to tell you about hands, Jacob says. Sikilet yadav. The word reminds the reader of kasher shakolti shakolti. When Jacob has to give up Benjamin, he says, I will be lost. If I am lost, I will be lost. But I have to give him up. And now the word for twisting hands, sikil, tells us he has to give up his hands too. He has to give up his desire to hug the river. He can't make it happen. You, Joseph, you can't make it happen. With all of your plans, it's going to be perfect. By 40 years old, it'll be this, and, and, and the Menashe will be... And, and Jacob says, ha, I have, a, I have a word for you about that. 
You see, Meta Alai Rachel, my wife, the one I planned to get buried with, she died, Baderech. It wasn't what I thought it would be. My life didn't turn out the way I thought it would be. Maybe even your children won't turn out the way you think they will be. You do the best that you can. Sikilet Yadav, I'm giving up my hands. Kashir Shakolti Shakolti, and then the text says, he gets them back. He gives them up, and he gets them back. Martin Buber had a beautiful quote once. He said, the world as it is is absolutely incomprehensible, but it is embraceable. The world is incomprehensible. Rights on the left and lefts on the right. A Jacob becomes an Esau, and Esau becomes a Jacob. A Rachel, who is the beloved of his life, his vision, his image, she's, she's the one who's baderech. She's the one on the way. She didn't make it. It wasn't as Jacob wanted it to be. But Jacob gives Joseph and all of the children of Joseph and all the children of Jacob who will now live in Egypt in, in slavery. He says to them, if you can lift up, if you can find fruitfulness in this place, that's the work. That's the work. When I think back over the last year, when I think of all of the things that have happened, both in this community, in America, you know, at the end of the year, they go through all of these different, you know, years in review. I think that every year in review is a year where we say, you know, I tried my best. I thought that the right would be on the right, left, Kashir Shakolti, Shakolti, you know, Trying to hug this river, it's not getting me anywhere. I gotta learn to go with it. I gotta learn to, to surrender it a little bit more, to, to let go and bring the world a little bit closer, especially when we wanna distance it. So God should bless all of us with all of our minds that try to wrap our hands and heads around so many things. You might not understand it, but maybe you can embrace it. We might not understand it, but maybe we can embrace it. I think that will be the blessing of being baderach, being on the way. You know, there's a funny thing in the Orthodox world where I came from. When you're not no longer Orthodox, they say you're OTD, you're off the derech. <laughs> you're off the derech. And I always want to say, you know, Rachel was buried baderach. She's on the outside, but on the path, because to be on the path means that you stand at the liminal interstice between your plans and what God had planned for you, where the universe is manifesting through your hands, which are not your hands, because it's all so big. So we don't do this. Maybe we do this. Give a hug, you know? God should bless us to hug the world. Amen.